Dr. Allison Miller is my guest today. I'm glad you're here to listen because you'll really enjoy Allison's practical, compassionate, caring, and brilliantly resourceful guidance for getting things done. And Allison knows what she's talking about. She has built three businesses from the ground up and puts her own guidance to the test and into practice every day. Welcome to the Courage of a Leader podcast. This is where you hear real-life stories of top leaders achieving extraordinary results, and you get practical advice and techniques you can immediately apply for your own success. This is where you will get inspired and take bold, courageous action. I am so glad you can join us. I'm your host, Amy Riley. Now, are you ready to step into the full power of your leadership and achieve the results you care about most? Let's ignite the courage of a leader. Allison, we all know that since the pandemic has happened, a lot of workers now have more choice as to where they work, where they will work, how we work has shifted, and it's invited many of us to think more intentionally about how do I work, where do I work, maybe even when do I work, and how does that feel for me, and how does that work with the holistic view of everything that I have in my life. So I'm super excited to be talking today about how does one work in a way that works for them. I want to start off by asking you, when you're supporting someone to work in a way that works for them, what are all the considerations? What might that encompass? Yeah, well, I think there's fundamentally two main considerations that are connected to what I even mean when I say work in a way that works, because ultimately working in a way that works can only be defined by each unique individual from inside of them. It's not something Mm -hmm. that I can say and map on to someone, but there are kind of two main guidelines, two main considerations is one is, is the way that I'm working producing the kinds of results that I want? Am Mm -hmm. I able to reasonably, reliably follow through on what I said I was going to do and move my attention, my energy, my effort in directions that make a difference, that serve a purpose, that create outcomes that are satisfactory for me in terms of my ability to actually take action and, and have results that I want so Mm -hmm. that it works because you're able to reliably produce results. And I think that this time of pandemic is really interesting because for so many people, all of a sudden, the intensity of their lives of, you know, commuting and going out to dinner and having all these appointments and running around when all of a sudden we came home, what many of us recognized is, you know what, that wasn't working for me. Mm -hmm. But until it got quiet, it's like we've been walking around like a snow globe, constantly in a snow, like a snow globe that was always shaken. And the pandemic forced us all to stop. And when the snow started to settle, people's minds 
and sort of hearts and bodies started going, oh, this feels better. And so the other part of working in a way that works is really about working in a way that is actually sustainable Mm. human being, whatever that means for each unique individual, working in a way that is honoring of the fact that you're not a robot, you're not a machine, you are a human being who has very real physical, emotional, psychological, um, relational, and spiritual needs. And it's really easy to work in ways that are more driven by stress and overwhelm, hurry up, let's get it done, panic, Mm -hmm. fear, um, where we use a lot of our protective strategies to try to get through the day. Yeah. And that's not very satisfying and it, mm-hmm. it doesn't really work in the long run. So mm-hmm. I'm talking about the consideration of both producing results, but also working in a way that is honoring of the human mm-hmm. doing the work so that it is actually sustainable for people over time. This is a great and powerful framing of this, Allison. I I love that we're we're working in a way that reliably produces results, right? It's creating that momentum in thought and action and result. And yeah, the pandemic, I love your analogy of the snow globe, right? It, 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 It realized we were making so many assumptions about how it had to be. And now we can look at what allows us to thrive rather than just survive and get through that day and get through that commute. So yeah, what reliably produces results and what is sustainable for you as a human being? And you said something else that was really critical. This is for each of us to define for us. Mm -hmm. Love it. So how do we make sure that we're working in a way that reliably produces results and is sustainable for us as a human being? Well, I think one really good guideline to look for is how is the quality of my life, right? You know, mm-hmm. how, how am I? How I how am I in relationship to my work? Are the ways that I'm engaging with my work supporting me to show up and and be present and do what I said I was going to do when I said I was going to do it mm-hmm. a decent amount of the time yeah. are the ways that I'm working um kind to the human that's doing the work let me give you an example i have a lot of meetings and so whenever i have meetings planned you will also see in my planner yes. separate time set aside to plan for the meeting nice because when I show up to the meeting and I've really thought about what's the purpose of the meeting, particularly if I'm if I'm the leader of the meeting or I'm contributing to the meeting, mm-hmm. I'm often in a position where I am the leader of the meeting. Mm-hmm. What is the agenda? How do I want people to feel at this meeting? Where do I want to source myself from? That preparation work that I do separate from the actual meeting greatly increases the odds that the meeting is going to be successful and help produce outcomes and move in directions, have me and others move in directions and take actions that make a difference. Mm-hmm. And I'm also connecting with myself and how do I want to show up and be with people in a way that is supportive of them and their nervous systems and their well-being and their quality of life and my own. Mm-hmm. Um, if I have projects to work on that require finding things to do them, I have learned that it's very unkind 
to expect myself to find things in order to do things. So this is an example of learning how to work in a way that works. I'm when I, I do very careful planning and I invest a lot of time in planning. This is another core aspect of working in a way that works. If for people uh-huh. who have a lot going on, we actually need more time. And we can talk about that later in the podcast, building yeah. infrastructure. But a key piece of that infrastructure for me is recognizing when I'm going to be working on a project that requires me to have physical and digital items to do it. Okay. And so I get those things out in a folder set up on my computer ahead of time okay. so that it's like I'm parking the car on a bit of a downhill slope. It's called environmental alignment mm. where I'm actually aligning my physical and digital environment to make it easier for the person who shows up later to do the work, to just get going rather than having to figure out where everything is. I even will sometimes write down an opening task. What's the opening task to do? Mm. Warm up activity which can help me enter when I feel resistant to doing the thing I said I was going to do previously in the plan. Nice. Allison, I want to underscore, repeat the inquiries that we can ask ourselves, you know, to know that, to know and to find our best ways to operate in a way that really works for us. Are we showing up present? Right? Are we able to be present with the people that we're meeting with and talking through, talking with and being with throughout the day? Are we meeting our commitments predictably, reliably, most of the time? Are we operating in ways that are kind to ourselves and to those around us as well? And are we producing outcomes? Right? Is, is the activity driving towards what we want to create in the world? And I'm seeing as we are in these inquiries, it's going to raise our self-awareness. Because as you were giving your example of scheduling time, making sure there's space to prep in the ways that you want to, right? That's a great self-awareness that you have about what's going to work for you. And prepping and finding and gathering what you need. I mean, that sounds like that allows you to show up and be present. That's kind to yourself, So, right, it's going to help produce outcomes. Mm -hmm. And my attention can't be everywhere. And we have a chronic illusion as human beings that we can multitask much more effectively than we actually can. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that whatever we're trying to accomplish, whatever outcomes we're trying to produce, whatever humans we're interacting with, the people and the work, in a sense, what they want from us is they want us. They want a more unified version of us, not a, a version where our attention is divided over a large surface area, because then our potency, our presence is diluted. Yes. Yes. Terrific, Allison. Let me tell listeners more about you. Allison Miller is a clinical psychology PhD and entrepreneur who has built three successful businesses from the ground up most notably the Dissertation Coach. Founded in 2000, the Dissertation Coach has helped thousands of graduate students finish their doctoral dissertations and master's thesis. Allison is the author of Finish Your Dissertation Once and For All, How to Overcome Psychological Barriers, Get Results, and Move On With Your Life. Love that title. (laughs) Published back in 2009 by the American Psychological Association. 
She's a founding member and global partner of Tierra International, which means Allison is a business partner of mine because the courage of a leader in Tierra International, a partner often. And Tierra is a company dedicated to meaningful women's leadership and transformation. Her latest business endeavor, the Academic Writers Space, is an online co-working community designed for academics to get real work done in a supportive, kind, and nurturing environment. Thank you for being here for this conversation, Allison. I, I love this. We're talking about how to be more effective, be more efficient, and enjoy the process. Mm -hmm. It's and, and it's not easy because a lot of what we're tasked with doing is hard. We often are asked to do things that we have to, we have to do things that we don't know how to do and do them anyway. And there, it's so easy, you know, text messages, social media, email, voicemails, um, endless things to do where the, where the to-do list seems to sometimes grow rather than shrink in a given yes. day. And I think that this time of you know, coming through this pandemic, first of all, it was a time that was very, very hard on our executive functioning skills. You know, our ability to really manage our own resources and manage our attention and and work in a way that was effective, I think was actually harmed by the pandemic. And mm. we're in kind of a recovery mode. Mm. And we are wanting, I think so many of us are really longing to um, have our work have meaning for us. Yeah. to feel that we know how to navigate through all the different things that we, that we do. Mm -hmm. um, and we're not really ever taught that no. you know, we don't college or in grad school or even in work environments. We're often not given enough support around how do I work in a way that really works for me as a unique individual living in a unique context. And what does that even mean for me? You know, I would encourage all the listeners to think about and to journal about mm. what is working in a way that work that works yep. mean for me, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And, and Allison, would you say that's a good spot? You mentioned infrastructure mm -hmm. and you also talked about all of these different platforms and technologies that are now creating sorts of inboxes for us. I yes. remember when I felt like I had one inbox right? One email inbox. And now I have multiple, multiple, multiple ways that to-dos, tasks, ideas, projects, opportunities can come my way. Mm -hmm. is, that where, is that where we start to start looking at like what's working? Well, yeah, I, th I think, I think that um, one way to think of this, Amy, is that working in a way that works, one thing that it really does require is systems for tracking Mm. what's going on, all the to-dos and all the things, all the mm. moving pieces. I think one thing that's happening to us is that we're overusing our brains to track. Mm -hmm. And that's not wise because yeah. we're not very good as human beings at being able to distinguish the difference between a thought of something that needs to be done that emerges into our consciousness yep. and an emergency task. And when we're relying on our brains to try to remember all the to-dos, like all the plates are spinning in our mind, when something emerges into our consciousness, it often triggers a sense of, ah, I don't want to forget to do that. And so mm -hmm. then we go, you know what, I'll just do it. I'll just do it right now. And that's not wise because we were doing something else and we're not really prepared to do the other thing. And the, the, 
not having an infrastructure, which I'll describe what I mean by that, yeah. leaves us really vulnerable to our reactive, stressed out, overworked, underslept, <laughs> executive functioning, maybe not functioning as well as you'd like it to be. Like that version yeah. of us can start to take over and dictate how we approach our work. And yeah. then we're not really in charge of ourselves anymore. In many ways, working in a way that works, Amy, is really about self-governance. Nice. Being a sovereign being who is like, wait, how do I want to consciously design how I go through my day, how I work? Yeah. What is the, and one thing is, what is the infrastructure that I need? And yeah. I'll, I'll describe it kind of briefly. I mean, yep. we could talk for hours about this, but the way that I teach infrastructure is kind of like, a, it's sort of like five steps. Okay. Um, I added a fifth step recently. Step number one is a life inventory. So okay. a little bit like what, um, I can't remember the maybe David Allen from getting things done. He calls it a mind sweep. Yeah. It's where you document across all the different domains of your life, right? Household, maybe children, different projects that you have. Like Amy, you would have your podcast, but you also have your coaching and you have your yep. leadership development work and work that you might do specifically with Tierra. You have all these different domains, right? Yep. You have managing kids in schools and signing papers and checks for, you know, whatever donations. There's so Indeed. many pieces in our lives. What's for dinner? Yeah. Oh, the car needs an oil change. Has anyone picked up the stuff from the lawn, you know, from the laundry? Um, you know, oh, the fridge is on the fritz. Um, did we pay the mortgage? What's going on with my mom? Right. We have millions of moving pieces. And so when we can kind of get that out of our heads onto paper in domains, it can be very helpful for us to ongoingly track the different moving pieces. And then during the week, we remind ourselves when we notice ourselves doing excessive external tracking in our minds mm -hmm. to say, I'm working with a life inventory now. I'm going to reclaim my attention and energy from thinking about that. We can keep a parking lot where we document things that come into our mind and then let them go. Mm -hmm. And then once we have that life inventory, the second step is to look at the upcoming week. And to clarify your priorities, this is where you're saying out of the totality of the life inventory, mm -hmm. what am I choosing to move to the foreground for the next seven days? Now, it could be a different length of time, Okay, uh, but for most people, a general rule of about seven days is enough. What am I choosing to do? Now, of course, in the, in the life inventory, it might be helpful to rough in, this needs to be done by the end of February. This is by the end of March. Okay. That's fine. But then we're really choosing because we, this is where we're saying to ourselves, what am I doing and what am I not doing? And so that when you nice. find yourself doing things that are not on the priority list, you can check in with yourself. Is this now on the priority list and I never moved it up? Or am I actually, is my stress, is my anxiety, is my whatever, something that's not the most conscious part of me taken possession of me and actually just making decisions for me? Mm -hmm. The clarifying priorities is really connected to this. I am a sovereign being who is thoughtfully, consciously choosing out of all the to-dos that are possible, what am I declaring? I'm going to commit my energy, my attention, my focus, my time to this week. So we've narrowed the field. Love it. And once you've clarified the priorities, step number three is to actually make a conscious plan. And a conscious, yes. a conscious planning is essentially planning the day-to-day -day reality. And some people might feel a bit constrained by this. So do this in a way that serves you. When you're someone like me who has an enormous amount going on right now, yeah. I have to really plan out 
the, the flow of the entire day. Mm-hmm. So I kind of plan out the week and I start filling it in more because, you know, new appointments, new things come up, mm-hmm. but I create a vision for where are some of these projects that aren't client facing? They don't, that when they don't involve an, another person, it's really yeah. easy to put them off. Yes. Where, when am I doing these projects mm-hmm. and where am I really saying I'm going to protect time for these? So I'm thinking through a plane, uh, sorry, a, uh, not a plane, a plan <laughs> that honors the reality of being a human being that I, I, I often say, this is about planning firmly grounded in reality, honoring yourself as a human, that planning that's in a way that's sustainable for you. Because what a lot of times what we do when we're planning and we're anxious about how we're going to get everything done is we start to plan for the cartoon version of ourselves or the superhero version of ourselves Ah. where it would, yeah, like theoretically, could you follow this plan? Theoretically, Mm -hmm. but in the reality of you didn't sleep well last night, you had an argument with your spouse and it's still in your body. Um, you, you, you're a little under the weather, um, something Something happened that requires emergency attention that really does, you do need to turn Mm -hmm. your attention that you hadn't planned on, Mm -hmm. um, had about a procrastination, who knows? Because the the version of us who's showing up to execute that plan is rarely the version we imagined when Mm -hmm. we made the plan. We tend to plan for that more heroic version of ourselves. This is us being more boots on the ground in reality. And yeah. so, for example, if you you know you've got a meeting that's kind of intense for you on a Wednesday afternoon, think about what you're, you might give yourself some space afterwards. I, I planned half an hour yeah. after this podcast to just kind of let myself, you know, see what's going on and get oriented to the rest of the day Wise. Yep. as opposed to jamming right into the next thing, right? Mm-hmm. Now, that's not always possible. I, mm-hmm. I often have back to back. When I'm, and I, I, I plan time, like recurring appointments, because by the way, I want to say something, email, yeah. email is work. And what a lot of us are doing is we're pretending like email is this thing that you just do in the cracks of the day and yes. we don't set aside any time for it. Mm-hmm. It's really, really stressful for humans to not have time set aside to deal with email, especially if you have a high email load. Mm-hmm. So that plan is giving me sort of a vision of, I'm going to get up. I'm going to work out. I, I mean, I write down everything. I'm taking a shower. I'm, I write down if I have a goal around, like, I want to drink lemon water, whatever that is, right? I want to, I want I want to be at my desk by 9 a.m. So what needs to happen before then? Planning time to step out and reset, um, I have learned is essential because when I just go from one thing to the next and don't catch my breath, my nervous system, a more dysregulated version of my nervous system starts to take charge of me and I become a poor boundary holder mm. and I become a poor decision maker. Yeah. And I just want to get a bunch of little quick emails done as quickly as possible, which is, and then, and that actually further agitates my system and the actual projects I want to work on and move forward aren't getting a regulated version of me. They're getting a yeah. dysregulated version of me. Oh. Right? Allison, you're giving us so many great concrete examples of what could be in step three, the conscious plan. Is this also where we would create time for unexpected things that come up? I know a lot of us have jobs, have work to do where we can plan and be proactive and, you know, 
say know how 70% of our days are going to go, but then there's stuff that comes up from clients, from coworkers, right? That we're, that we're not expecting, um, you know, yeah. All of a sudden something yeah. gets dropped in. Are we, are we putting that in our conscious plan? I, if, especially if you're someone where that's likely to happen, it is a good idea to have sort of some catch up time or yeah. just have more breathing room where there's space for you to deal with things. I mean, it's, it is challenging, you know, yeah. when you first make your plan and it's all clean and pristine and you haven't, it hasn't actually unfolded in reality yet. It's like, it's like this beautiful, clean snow. Yeah. You feel optimistic. I've got it. Yeah. And you know what happens when you live somewhere where it snows in the coming days, dogs walk through it and pee all over it. People stomp on it and it gets all slushy and black and gray and icy and it's yucky. Right. Yes. So that's what happens. We make this beautiful, pristine plan, and then we get an email and a dog just peed on our plan. And it is not what we <laughs> imagined, So, which I'm going to come back to actually, Amy, with step number five in this. About, okay. So one, now this is a key piece. Once you've yeah. figured out the plan for the week, yep. uh, and I think it is a good idea, Amy, to build in some time for, you know, like just that extra time in case things spill over. Well, yeah. And I've told people like, you know, is the thing that get dropped that gets dropped in going to happen exactly when you've scheduled time for a drop in? Probably not. But then you've got some time to work with. Right. Yeah. And then making some adjustments isn't as daunting. Yeah. And be thoughtful about what's the human going into that meeting going to need. You know, what, can, mm. you, can you block out 15 minutes before? Can you shut down your email? And once you have that plan, yeah. then this is a really critical step, step number four. And right. I learned this from a great book called Willpower Doesn't Work. Can't remember uh -huh. the author. Um, environmental alignment. So environmental uh -huh. alignment is about curating your physical and digital environment so that what you need to do, what you plan to do is readily available. And mm -hmm. The reason environmental alignment is so powerful and important is because our environments have a profound impact on our behavior, yet we're not very good at perceiving. We don't, we don't realize how powerful it is. So here's an example of environmental alignment. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I go through a season of life where I could just feel like my body, it, I would be served if I, there's a certain kind of smoothie that I make. Okay. And I struggle to get myself to do it consistently. So this is what I've been doing lately and it really helps. I, t I have these pretty decent sized Tupperwares. I have a whole bunch of them. Yep. And for three days at a time, I will put all the fruits and vegetables into the Tupperware that are going to go into the smoothie in one. And then I, I have frozen stuff that's in the freezer that I just pull out. Right? So it's ready to dump. I look at my to-do list and I say, do I have what I need? Do I know the passwords for that file mm. or that, that program? Mm -hmm. Where are the documents? Do I have a version control problem? What, where, and I, I have um, an electronic labeler and I have folders. I really try to keep all these different domains and different folders. So today I'm going to go to a coffee shop and work on a project. Mm -hmm. What I need for that is in the folder. And yesterday I took a look at it to remind myself of what am I working on? I don't have to find it. And next thing I know, it's half an hour after I said I was going to be at the coffee shop because I was trying to find it, right? Yeah. So, so that environmental alignment, what it's doing is it's 
it's in a way it's almost like we're starting the behavior a little bit, Mm -hmm. right? I already started the act of making that smoothie. It's in my fridge. And just that kind of, it's almost like a, I close out the night by looking at or close out my day, I should say, by looking at what I'm doing tomorrow. And then every, so the fifth step is every 24 hours, I would do kind of, I call this process, by the way, a reset. Okay. This is a reset with the, all five steps. The fifth step is really doing the mini reset. This is where okay. we stop and we say, okay, how did today go? What is mm. left over from the day? Mm. Where is that going to now get planned? And we're, we're tweaking and reconfiguring our plan based on how we intersect it with the reality, which is what you were talking about, right? Yep. The reality isn't what we always expect. So now we intersected with it. And now we were planning on going like this, but now we've got to change a little bit. So we're modifying the plan and then doing a little quick environmental alignment of, do I have everything I need? I'm going to need tomorrow. How can I make this physical and digital environment ripe for me to come in and engage, you yes. know? And when you do that every 24 hours, it's, it's, I honestly think that this process of the entire process actually of setting this infrastructure is profoundly kind to the future Mm. you, the future human who's Mm going to show up and be tasked with executing upon this plan because the version of you who shows up might not be in the best mood. I love how you talk about alignment Allison, and I know your selection of that word is really intentional. And you know, like we're either moving towards or out of alignment, right? So mm-hmm. it's a constant inquiry. What do I need? What's going to work, right? Is the chair going to be comfortable, right? Or I know you're sitting on the floor right now, <laughs> right? On my meditation cushion. Yeah, I right. I really meditate regularly, but I do own a cushion. <laughs> right. And you knew that was going to work well for you. And, you know, I did in recording this um, podcast episode. But it's but it's kind. It's a kind way of thinking about how am I prepping and preparing and moving through my day? Am I moving towards or away from alignment? And then constantly looking at what's working, because I know I have gotten some things about my infrastructure set in ways that felt like they worked really well. But then a different kind of project was thrown in or, you know, my parents needed more support or something shifted. And then I got to relook at what's working. So this idea that it's a it's a constant inquiry and a, a constant resets it is it is it's it's dynamic i mean it's a lot like balance we don't arrive somewhere we're always having to work with the unfolding reality of our lives and i think that's a big part of what working in a way that working is about amy i want to make sure that i talk about compatibility do we have space for that yes yeah let's do let me let me recap the five steps so that listeners are tracking it's the life inventory you might capture that by domains. You might capture that in some kind of, you know, loose timeframes. And then what are the priorities? Often for folks that's the, for the week, that could be a starting point duration. Mm-hmm. Then it's your conscious plan. Then it's environmental alignment. And then mini reset. And I'm hearing the recommendation is for that daily. 
right? Yeah. Start start with that cadence. Yeah, I mean, if you're not, you know, if you have a day off, you don't need, you don't have to do it seven days <laughs> yeah. a week. But it can be really helpful. Yeah, terrific. Okay. okay, compatibility. Compatibility. So this is something that's a, I think, a really important reframe um, that can make a big difference. So, what is happening in reality is that we have intentions, we have a plan, we have goals, whatever for the day. Yeah. And then there's a version of us that shows up Mm. to perform. Yep. And most of us have kind of a continuum of versions of ourselves that show up. Yes. Sometimes we might show up where we're like ready to go. We're motivated. We're engaged. We're for some, for reasons that we might not even fully know where our ability to concentrate and focus and take action is pretty good. Yep. Sometimes we show up and it's like, we're like walking through molasses or we feel like we're in quicksand and there's so much resistance or we sometimes we're so overwhelmed by how much we have to do. And the system gets dysregulated in a way where it's hard to settle down and be embodied in a way where you really can work effectively. It's really a, this is a spectrum. It's not binary. Okay. We're either kind of compatible, like moving in the direction anyway, we're like compatible with doing what we said we were going to do and following our plan. We're compatible with working in a way that works or we're not. Hmm. And any human being is going to fluctuate in the level of compatibility, right? That they have. So like sometimes if I've gotten received a provocative email that has activated my nervous system, Mm -hmm. truth is when I'm in that state, I am not compatible with responding wisely. Hmm. Okay. Yep. So being able to recognize that as we move through our day, we are moving in and out of compatibility with, with almost anything, mm-hmm. by the way, for example, um, there are times where we are not compatible with re- relating to other human beings effectively mm-hmm. and, and being able to know that being able to say to a partner, for example, I, you know what I need, I need 10 minutes. I really want to just kind of settle my system, my system down. Like if, if the snow globe has been shaken, mm-hmm. and you're trying to do something that's delicate or really requires a lot of thought. Yeah. That's good to know. Oh, I'm not actually that compatible with doing this. And there's mm-hmm. a couple things I want to say about that. One is that when we are struggling to work in a way that works, it's very easy for a negative internal dialogue to get activated. You know, the inner critic will move to the mm-hmm. foreground and start being like, what's wrong with you? Why are you so lazy? Mm. You be able to do this. Like we start being critical of ourselves and mm-hmm. frustrated with ourselves. Why can't you stick to the plan today? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it, so we start to get kind of caught in this, this sense of like, something's wrong with me. This compatibility is pointing to internal traffic. Yeah. Right. Hold on a minute. Here's the plan. I said I was going to do this, but wait a minute. What version of me is here? How do I find myself? Mm-hmm. What condition am I in? Mm-hmm. It's a process of really dropping our eyes inside ourselves to be able to observe the quality of thinking, the emotional landscape, the uh, pattern of sensation moving through the body, mm-hmm. um, and, and all the patterns of behavior that. Uh, tend to unfold out of certain emotional and cognitive and sort of physiological states. So for example, procrastination and avoidance, when we're in certain states, the the behavior of avoidance is much more likely than if I was in a more, say, calm or serene or more regulated or more focused state. Mm -hmm. So I think we can let go of this idea of of, uh, whether I'm adequate or not. 
forget that. Yeah. Okay. It's really about, let me track myself inside and see what's the weather in here. Like, is this version of me compatible with what I said I was going to do? If it isn't, if it's not compatible, this is actually good news that you know this. It's not a problem. Mm -hmm. It's, it's an opportunity to say either do I, um, is there something that I can do to support this version of me? Do I need to cry? Yeah. Do I need to have a call with somebody? Do I need to yeah. get up and go outside and get fresh air? I could do some environmental alignment and get everything mm. I need ready to do it, but I'm not going to do the thing yet. You know what? I think I could just brainstorm some key points. That's what I feel like I can do right now. Mm-hmm. Great. So now you've taken action. You get to have the experience of like, oh, I am doing something and that can start to increase the compatibility because ah. you yourself up. It, it may yeah. not. But, yeah. But I think the bottom line is if we working in a way that works requires awareness, awareness yes. of what, what, what is it that I need to do? We yes. have to, be able to track that and have some kind of system other than using our brains to track and yes. then being able to track ourselves. Where am I in this time space reality? What's going on with me? And if I look at the work and the version of me who's here, I can continually evaluate, oh, I'm just not compatible. No wonder one, this isn't going well because it's a compatibility issue, Uh, not an adequacy issue. I love that framing, Allison. It's another kind and humane framing. It's not that I suck today or I'm doing badly, right? I'm not compatible with the plan that I put together. And it I also, as you were talking, I could see for myself, it would take me out of the all or nothing thinking, right? I either have got to follow this plan that I created for the day, or it's all out the window. Yeah. And I love your final underscore of the awareness and right? just how important it can be to check in with ourselves multiple times a day. How am I doing? How's the alignment? How's the compatibility? What do I need right now? Yeah. Then you, in a way, you become your own guide, your own teacher, your own parent who's yeah. helping yourself really lead. And this takes a lot of courage. It really does. To, to begin to listen to yourself in this way and honor, this is a self-honoring way of working where we can be in an inquiry ongoingly about like, well, what what is the current version of me who's here compatible yeah. with? How do I move myself forward into that? And when you when you are in this inquiry, you start to observe and notice all kinds of things that you've been doing in some cases, in my case, for decades, yeah. That are like, wow, that is not efficient. Our bodies are giving us so much information about whether we are working in a way that's working. Mm. And it's hard to hear when we're yeah. really dysregulated and racing and multitasking and doing a million things. Being a robot. Right? The beautiful yeah. thing about this is that this path, this this path that I'm describing of of engaging with work, it's really a spiritual path. Mm. It's, it's a path to waking up and being more present being kinder, being more loving, being more compassionate and softening inside yourself and realizing that harder and faster are actually not effective, Mm. softer and slower. Mm. You actually end up being much more efficient and working much more effectively. You know, it's like getting into a sailboat instead of a speedboat. Yeah. And we've been talking about work, but of course this applies to all realms of our life. So much 
practical guidance you've given us today, Allison, and a way to think about this differently and how we can work in a way that really works for us as a human being. Thank you so much for the time today. Oh, you're so welcome. I just want everyone who's listening to know it is your birthright. Mm. It's your birthright to be able to work in a way that really works for you. Lovely. Thank you, Allison. Thank you for listening to the Courage of a Leader podcast. If you'd like to further explore this episode's topic, please reach out to me through the Courage of a Leader website at www.courageofaleader.com. I'd love to hear from you. Please take the time to leave a review on iTunes. That helps us expand our reach and get more people fully stepping into their leadership potential. Until next time, be bold and be brave because you've got the courage of a leader. I know that you have the courage of a leader. I understand that you want leaders of competence and courage in your organization. I know you're focused on attracting, inspiring, and retaining top talent. So many of you requested an assessment to see where you are as a leader and where your team could be in terms of their success. So we have built for you the Inspire Your Team assessment. You can find this assessment at courageofaleader.com slash inspire your team. There's also a link in the show notes. When you take the assessment, which will only take you about 10 minutes to complete, you'll get a customized set of recommendations about how you can build leaders of competence and courage in your organization. You'll also be helping me out. This will be absolutely free. I just ask that you tell at least one person about the value you created for yourself through the assessment process. And you'll be giving me valuable research for my next article on the courage of a leader for pillars. Thank you so much. Click on the link in the show notes to take the assessment and help me out. You will be glad you did.